0: So if I forget, see,
1: brooklyn new york and athens texas it's the bi-coastal hoot nanny starring nate and adam this week former lsu linebacker tommy frizell and now two guys about whom it can be said without exaggeration that they each owe their sheer existence to former lsu linebacker tommy frizell adam wilson and nathan frizell
0: Thank you, Emily Ann Hynden, for that black-eyed introduction.
2: (laughs) For that countrified Athens, Texas welcome.
0: That's right, and by black-eyed introduction, I do not uh, mean to imply anything that has to do with domestic violence, but uh, to put an odd to Athens, Texas, the self-proclaimed black-eyed pea capital of the world. Welcome to the Bicoastal Hootenanny, starring Nate and Adam. I am and Adam, Adam Tootenanny Wilson, that is, in Brooklyn, New York, where it is currently 75
2: degrees and sunny. And I am starring Nate Frizzell in Athens, Texas where it's currently mostly sunny and 74 degrees but that that temperature is climbing. I'm home. I'm happy. I got myself a sweet tea <laughs> and I'm I got a big old smile on my face. Uh what's home like? What is Athens like? <sighs> it's good to be home. A place not too far away from here. Athens is a good old small town America. Uh it is um it's the county seat of Henderson County here in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a population of about just about 12,000 people. Um, town Square, good people, lots of rolling hills, very pretty, lots of green. And uh, yeah, as soon as I drove into the city limits yesterday, all the shit from Los Angeles just rolled right off my back. It's <laughs> all just... All that tension just immediately alleviated, and I'm here with family and good people, and I'm going to see a good old high school football scrimmage tonight. Oh, nice. Um, And Athens High? Is that that the high school? Athens High School Hornets. Athens Hornets. Uh, Well, let's rewind a little bit. Let's talk about your flight over. Yes. Okay. So um, how are you as a flyer? Uh, I'm, I'm fine. I've never really had much of a problem.
0: I, I, when I get up to the TSA line, I've already got all my shit off. I don't even like wear a belt or, I, you know, like I, I pack away my belt and hat and stuff in my suitcase when, you know, so that I don't have to take it off when I get on the plane. You know what I mean? Like I've, I'm prepared. I'm good.
2: So you're, you're like George Clooney and up in the air. You're just got it all down to a science.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I never saw that, but yeah, definitely. I was thinking more like Nicolas Cage in Con
2: Air. Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so you're a badass, just waiting to happen. Um, uh, so, well, I'm, I'm, I, I've over the years, for whatever reason, have gotten to be more of a, a nervous flyer. I don't know why, and I don't know where it came from. I think it happened after nine eleven. Yeah, think, I'm not I, sure. I was
0: thinking it came from Afghanistan.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so I started thinking about it more, and I was like, you know, really, when you think about it. Flying is something that should happen in a dare because we put ourselves, we lock ourselves in this metal tube. Mm-hmm. We shoot ourselves about five miles, six miles, seven miles up in the air. And we travel at really, really high speeds. Now, can you imagine if you told somebody about 150 years ago that we would be doing this on a regular basis, what they would say about us? The the slightest bit of turbulence makes me nervous and it makes me go um, it it reminds me of how high I am in the air, and I know that they say that turbulence is safe, and it's just like riding on a bumpy road, but to me, it just reminds me, holy shit, if something goes wrong, we're, I've got six miles to think about my impending death,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, I'm as a result, at the slightest hint of bumpiness, I am very nervous. The other thing that really kind of gets me about flying is that I always seem to – you ever fly Southwest, Adam? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I like Southwest Airlines. I think it's a really reliable, really safe, good customer service, relatively inexpensive airline, uh, and that's usually what I use to fly home. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a system where they don't. It's, it's open seating, but if you when if you check in online before your flight, you get put in like priority. So basically, it's basically a way of getting you to check in online. Um, And they open it 24 hours before your flight. And the the earlier you check in, the more, the higher priority you get seating. So I did like, I literally to the second checked in online. So I had, I was ready to go. Um, I got an aisle seat about six aisles down. I was ready. I was going to be the first one, one of the first ones on, one of the first ones off. Plane fills up. They shut the doors. There's an empty seat between me and the girl in the window seat and I'm thinking, "Hell yeah, this is a full flight and I'm going to have a, a an empty seat in the middle." And I was so stoked. And then literally like 10 seconds before they push back from the gate, a guy comes up from behind me. And he goes, "Hey, is this seat taken?" And I was like, "Um, no." And he sits down. And I knew, I knew it before before I even turned around to look at him. I knew what was going to happen. He sits down and I went from 100% to eighty percent of my seat. Oh, he's a fat, and ass? he was—he was a large person, and um, literally, as soon as he sat down, his arms came into my seat and the girl's seat in the window. Didn't apologize. Didn't acknowledge it. Just sort of sat down and took up his entire seat and 20% of mine. And so I ended up sitting slightly off kilter to where like my spinal cord, instead of being straight up and down, was probably like, you know, uh, a little off center. And uh, that was really uncomfortable for that three-hour flight. Um, But I always get stuck next to Pete. To like
0: that, yeah. This was this is ironic because, um, this is uh surprising to me because uh Southwest took a clear stance against fat people when they made
2: Kevin Smith buy a second seat a few years ago, right? That's right, that's right. Like, you think that they would have now, granted, this guy was not as large as Kevin Smith, who I've seen in person and is quite a large fellow, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but, but he wasn't quite as big as that, you know, he was more like He looked like he had played linebacker at one point, but it just stopped working out and, uh, you know, was starting to replace the muscle with fat. Right. Um, uh, And, of course, he also is the guy, this guy that sits down, is also the guy that uh, starts um, playing with his his gadgets Mm -hmm. before they say it's okay. Uh, And, like, we haven't even taken off yet. And the the flight attendant, for whatever reason, had a huge bug up his ass about about the um, turning off your cell phones and everything. And he's like, I'm going to come back and checking and we're not we're going to stop if you're if any of you are on your phones. So this guy, of course, is texting the whole time The guy's saying this. Mm-hmm. And then the flight attendant is walking towards us. And it's like some scene out of a Hitchcock movie. It's like, is he going to put his cell phone away or is the flight attendant going to catch him? And sure enough, he just keeps on texting. And the flight attendant walks by and he goes, sir, you need to turn that off. And uh, and the guy was like, I've I, I got to send this. Hold on. He goes, no, sir. We're about to take off. You need to turn that off. And he's like, well, I, "You don't understand. I gotta send this." And he doesn't even look at the guy. He's just continuing the text. He's like, "Sir, we're not gonna move till you turn that off." And and like, meanwhile, I'm in the middle of this, and they're starting to yell at back and forth at each other. He goes, "Fine, I'll turn it off." Throws it in the back pocket of the seat in front of him. Then, as soon as the flight attendant turns around, he starts doing it again. I was mm-hmm. like, "Fuck me, we're gonna be late because of this guy." Uh.
0: Well, you know, the, the, the thing is, I've got, <laughs> I've got mixed feelings about this guy. Now, first off, you're just describing John Candy in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That's all you're doing. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, except uh, except, uh, except John Candy in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was always in a good mood. He was always, like, kind of goofing off. This guy's just kind of a big fat dick. Anyway. Um, right. It's like John Candy minus the charm. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. <laughs> John Candy, more like John Brussels Sprouts. Oh, man, that is the worst joke I've ever told, and I'm keeping it in. I'm not editing <laughs> that shit out. I'm going to suffer. Yeah, bring it on, crickets. Bring it on, crickets with steroids. Yeah, bring it on, crickets that I've editing it, edited in in post-production. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, crickets. I'll kick your little asses, you assholes. I've got some raid for you. <laughs> Shut up, crickets. Okay, stop it. Okay, crickets, stop it. Stop. Okay, that's. I get it. I get it. Nobody's laughing at my stupid joke. I understand. I understand. At least I'm not an arthropod. Okay. Also, Okay, I know. That was a bad joke, too. Okay, sorry, Crickets. Crickets, you're going to give him a complex. Okay. Anyway, okay. Um, uh, Who was your favorite character in The Young and the Restless? Was it Victor or Cricket? Anyway, okay. Um, What's your favorite sport that's played in India? Okay, back to this fat ass. (laughs) Okay, well, I'll confess to you, I never turn my devices off. Never, ever, ever, ever. I hide them when somebody's looking for them because I don't want an sure. exchange like that but I never turn them off. Uh, that's that's out of principle. I'm not going to turn them off because if 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 my iPhone my iPhone can't crash a plane. My iPhone can't keep a plane from flying. that's it's it's impossible. There's no there's uh, especially if I'm on airplane mode there's nothing there's nothing going on in it. So I'm not I'm not buying into it. I I don't like uh I don't like being we're being treated like idiots by flight attendants. So I'm going to be defiant and keep my keep my uh my iPods <laughs> downloading. Um, but I'm going to have, a, have my, my phone tucked under my nuts.
2: Well, now my question to you is, while I agree with you, um, so you say an iPhone will not cause a plane crash. True, but the question I have is, what about a plane full of iPhones? Can that mess with the communication system? Can that mess with the electronic systems of the plane? Listen, if I'm 35,000 feet up in the air, I don't want to risk it. So I'm just one, wondering what a plane full of iPhones do. No, it would it would it would uh, it would uh, take off and then it would land. That's what it would do
0: because that's what airplanes do. And you know, iPhones don't crash planes. <laughs> if iPhones crashed planes, they wouldn't be permitted by the FCC. They would be illegal. They just we wouldn't just be. They would be um, illegal for us to own. The reason why I guarantee, like, look, I'm talking out of my ass. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I swear to God, I know what I'm talking about here. The reason why they have us turn all that shit off, <laughs> the reason why they ha the reason why they have us turn all that shit off, is so that we can listen to the uh, the announcements, so those warnings, those uh, FAA. Things. We have to hear them. We have to be aware of everything they say so they can cover their asses. The only way they can properly, completely, and totally cover their asses is if they fucking make us turn our shit off and listen to them and listen to every word they say. Even though it's a script, even though they say the same thing every time, and we've all memorized it by now, they have to tell us what they tell us. They have to tell us those warnings. They have to tell us not to smoke, not to tamper with stuff. They have to tell us to sit down when we're, when we're told to. So I, I guarantee that's what it is. It has nothing to do with communication.
2: Yeah, you make a good point, and I think you're right. You're absolutely – by the way, you're kind of brilliant because you're right. If iPhones were as dangerous as they say, they wouldn't be allowed on the planes in the first place. Right.
0: Or maybe I'm not brilliant. Maybe I did just make this up. I actually did. It just makes sense in my brain, and I just assume that I'm right.
2: Well, no, I think – I mean, look, uh, it's Occam's Razor. The simplest answer tends to be the correct one. Um, But uh, uh, did you hear about – this is sort of on the same subject, but – Virgin Airlines is bringing uh, uh, stand-up comics on airplanes now, you know, to sort of make their airline even more appealing. Uh, and, you know, you notice that airlines are starting to do this now. They're starting to offer you, like, all these really strange things to get you to fly their airlines. And it's like, no, why don't you just bring back food and not flat sodas? And yeah. why don't you stop charging us an arm and a leg, you know? Yeah,
0: nickel and diamonds about simple.
2: everything. Uh well but, but actually that, that
0: that's yeah, yeah. that's good that stand up comedians are now gonna be on airplanes because like being that they'll be on airplanes, they'll probably think of some jokes to tell about airplanes and flying, which I've pro- I've never heard any comedians do any humor about flying at all. So it'll be good for them <laughs> to finally tackle this 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 final frontier of comedy that they've never talked about before. It'll be interesting. It'll be some brand new jokes that I've never heard before. It's basic it's basically
2: the white whale of stand up comedy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well I don't know. What does that mean? Oh, yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. The white, uh, yeah, I'm
2: sorry. God damn it. Fuck it. L- hold on.
0: Let me wipe my ass after shitting on your joke there.
1: No,
2: that's okay. That's all right. Um, you know, uh, the, other, the other one other thing that I've noticed about flying, well, there's plenty of things, but the one thing I want to talk about is, you ever notice that both airplanes and airports stink? Like there just seems to, it just smells, it's like there's shitting going on everywhere. And I don't want to harp on this for too long, but you walk in an airport bathroom and you immediately, you know, are overwhelmed. Uh, and I think, I think there's something to flying that just upsets everybody's stomach because I, you walk onto the plane and you're like, that. there is the vaguest smell of, uh you know, of uh, somebody with an upset stomach. I'm just going to be polite yeah. here. I don't want to gross our listeners out.
0: Oh, it's a combination of that and another thing. You're you're right. It it is. First off, I think flying is um is is stressful. It can be. It can um, trigger yeah. anxiety, and anxiety can trigger the squirts. Um, uh. Also, what do you do like right, right before you board? Like <laughs> you're at the you're at the airport, and when you take a long trip, like if you go on a road trip, that's when you're like. Maybe you want to get a donut. Maybe you want to eat some McDonald's just because it just, you know, it's just, it, it, it comforts you or something like that. You do eat shitty food more when you travel than when you don't. You know what I mean? You're not going to get a salad at the airport. Yeah. You get a pretzel with this mustard that, this barbecue sauce flavored mustard on it from Auntie Anne's or something that you have no idea what it's made of, but it's just like, okay, I need to munch on something because I'm a bit, I'm flying. I've, I've only slept for three hours. I've got to be in Honolulu by noon. Uh, Uh, That, uh, you know, and then then the airplane takes off and you're just already kind of, you know, you're bloated, you're sweaty, you're tired, you're anxious. And, yeah, you get the squirts and you blast it in the in the the, uh, the airplane bathroom, hopefully
2: in the bathroom and not like your pants. (laughs) Right. Hopefully you can make it back to the bathroom. Right. You know, but then but now they've got those long lines that build up because you can only you can only make the line in the the aft bathrooms. Uh, and the four bathroom, you cannot make a line. So you have to sit there, and you have to wait for that red X to come on. And you're like, holy shit, holy shit, that, that line's too long in the back. I need this red X. And you stand, finally, the red X goes off, and you stand up, and you start going, and then an old woman in, in aisle two stands up, cuts you off, and goes right, and you can't yell at her because she's old. And she probably, if you stop her from going to the bathroom, she's probably going to shit all over the, the aisle.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember um, the uh, the last flight I was on, uh, a Punjabi lady got up to go take a piss like um you know like way before we're allowed to get up and go in the aisle you know um mm-hmm. and i'm like i hope the fucking i hope that bitch flight attendant doesn't say anything because this is an old lady she's got to take a shit you know what i mean like don't you know just let it let it happen I mean, she's either gonna she's either gonna shit in the toilet too early or she's gonna shit her pants and it's gonna smell like curry up in, up in here uh, <laughs> by the way not a coin drop because i pronounced that correctly okay anyway so uh <laughs> that's how you say that so i didn't drop a coin anyway um <laughs> Uh, so sure enough, the bit you know the lady gets up and she's standing right next to the flight attendant you know in the back and the is that aft is that what aft means in the back? Aft is yeah. Okay, sure. yeah. So she's in the back, um, and and she goes into the bathroom. And as soon as, like, as she's standing, you know, trying to figure out how to open the door, the flight attendant, first off, doesn't help her open the door, but gets on the little phone thing and says, like, just a reminder, everybody, it's not time for you to get up yet, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, just j- just a reminder, uh, the <laughs> the fasten your seatbelt sign is on, and everybody is supposed to be in their seats. You know, first off, the lady doesn't even, well, actually, she's from India, so she probably does speak English. Uh, uh Just a different, she just can't pronounce the letter T. Uh, but the... <laughs> But I thought that I thought this bitch was such so cunty about that. And so I just got I got I had to kind of had to pee. So even if I didn't, I still got up and I just looked at her. I just looked waited I waited for this lady to get out of the bathroom. And I was just standing at the bathroom way, way too early before I'm supposed to be able to, you know, get up and walk in the aisles. And I just looked at the flight attendant and then looked at the phone and then looked at the flight attendant and looked at the phone as if to say, Why don't you get on the phone, bitch? Why don't you get on the phone? Be a bitch, just be a bitch <laughs> to me. It's kind of fun. Go ahead, put on a show. Dance monkey,
2: dance monkey. All right. Anyway, Adam Wilson, the rebel of the skies. Yeah. Uh, airport airplane bathrooms also scare me. Um, are so I got, little. I was flying a yeah. Hawaii one. Yeah, there's so little, and uh, the, the 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 flush is so loud, and it always scares me. It always terrifies because even though I know it's coming. It's so loud. It sounds like the bottom of the plane is dropping out for me. I know. I know. And, and not only
0: I don't know if you know this about me, Nate, but like when I when I piss in an airport bathroom, I'm like my dick's like two inches from that hole, so I'm like scared that it's gonna get caught in there. You know what I mean? Like I mean, if if the hole was big enough for me to even fit through, <laughs> that would be an issue. But yeah, so it's 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 really it's uh, it's a frightening situation
2: for uh, you know guys like me. Plus, when I was ten, I got locked in a airport airplane bathroom and I, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't get out. <laughs> And so i'm a little traumatized <laughs> you pussy well just to give you an insight into my grandmother uh, i i was flying to hawaii with my grandmother nana is is what i call her <laughs> she took me to hawaii long story short i had to go to the bathroom really badly we had some rough weather and i couldn't go to the bathroom so i'm sitting there i really have to pee really badly and the whole time she, she's wait. we're waiting for the the you know the seatbelt line to come back on and she goes um she goes, you know, you better be careful when you go to back to the bathroom. I heard a story about a guy who got sucked out of the toilet. You know, the toilet sucked him out. So, of course, you know, being a 9, 10-year-old, I'm thinking, why would she tell me this? And uh, I'm believing her, and she's doing it just to mess with me, and I know it. But now it's in my head. So finally, the seatbelt sign goes off. I go to the, back, the bathroom. I go to pee. You know, you push that little lock close. And I'm done my business, and I try to get out of the bathroom, and I can't. And I can't figure out why I can't like I'm pushing the lock and it's not it's not coming back. And I'm trying to open the door and all this. So long story short, I end up like being in the bathroom in the back of the plane, banging on the door, trying to get out. A stewardess has to come and then she has to bring like two other people to figure out the door. Meanwhile, I'm thinking the whole time I'm going to be somehow sucked out of the back of the plane because my grandmother just spent 20 minutes telling me that. And it traumatized me a little bit. Now, uh, airplane bathrooms are a scary place for me.
0: Airplane bathrooms are a scary place to me simply because of that scene in Tommy Boy. That's the only reason. (laughs) You getting stuck in there like Chris Farley? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, I uh, I just mentioned Tommy Boy, which is a movie, which is something that we like to talk about in a place we like to call
2: J.D.'s office. Let's step right on in here. Oh, hello, J.D. Let's, uh, Let's have ourselves a little chat um, uh, I uh, I saw a couple of movies this week. Actually, I uh, I took myself to uh, treated myself to the movie theater, Elysium.
0: Yeah, what's uh this?
2: Matt Damon, Jodie Foster, piece mm. of shit. Oh, really? It is it is no bueno. Wait, Jodie um, Foster's
0: a piece of shit? No, it
2: it you know what? She no no she I mean she's like okay here's the thing she's not terrible in it but she's not very good and I don't really think it's her fault. Um. She, it's just the the directorial choices in general are just really not great. Um, it, the, the the movie is cool for the first like twenty five minutes. The the it's a really weird concept and really new and interesting and unique. Uh, and then for the rest of the movie, it becomes very boring, formulaic, like tip just typical sci fi stuff. Like it becomes like a it, it's you know it promised to be this new, unique sci fi film and. But, you know, after 25 minutes, it becomes just like every other sci-fi flick out there. Um, she's really kind of over the top. And so is the other villain in, in thing. Matt Damon's just sort of lackluster. He's just sort of there. And I I normally like Matt Damon, but it's, it's just kind of a it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work as a movie. It's really cool to look at. Very pretty. But that's uh, about as much as I can say.
0: Uh, this is let me. This this uh it might expose my limited knowledge of Matt Damon movies, but does, is Matt Damon ever in a movie uh where he does not use a uh, uh an exaggerated Boston accent? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, you know, I've, <laughs> I I sometimes I caught it a couple of times in this film, and I was like, I don't I don't know if he's aware that he's doing that. Um, but I'm sure there's got to be movies out there where. He, he doesn't have the Boston accent. Um, I just, I can't, now that you said that I can't think of any, of course, <laughs>
0: <laughs> team, team America world. Um, you please, know, there's goodwill definitely.
2: hunting. <laughs> that's true. That's right. Um, but yeah, there's gotta be something out there, but, um, so that's, that's Elysium for you. That's my thoughts on Elysium. Um, uh, I also saw a movie called Fruitvale station, which is uh it's a smaller film. Um, it won Sundance uh, this past year, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's about uh, it's a true story about a, um, a guy who was shot on the San Francisco's BART, you know, which is their their yeah. basically their metro system, uh, in on New Year's Eve in 2009, and um, it was an unjustified shooting. Anyway, this is basically about the last day of his life, and how like he was trying to turn his life around, and he was trying to sort of you know um kind of write the ship as it were and you just you know from the very beginning like they don't they they don't ruin the it, they don't make it a suspenseful ending because they tell you right off the bat what's going to happen they show you the actual clips uh of the shooting because people were videotaping it uh and then they just show you the, his whole day and it's just an example of him just trying to make things right you know trying to turn things around and it's just so well done it's so simple it's so like smart and easy and it's not over bloated with these big scores it's not overly scripted there's no there's not a whole lot of schmaltz it's just the story and it's so good and it's especially during the summer when it's all iron man and wolverine and stuff like that it's nice to see a movie like this that's like simple and honest and you get in you get out you see a really like powerful story, and it doesn't it doesn't manipulate you in any way. You just get to sit back and let it overtake you. Good stuff. I highly recommend this one. So go see that.
0: When you give a movie review like that, it makes me think that Roger Ebert didn't really die.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Aren't you sweet? Yeah, I, but I always hated Roger Ebert. That's kidding. I'm getting you.
0: I'm getting Roger Ebert was great. Um, <clears throat> Did you see anything this week? No, I didn't see a single movie this week, so uh, why don't we uh, stop wasting time in here, take a break, so I can take a piss and get a bottle of champagne. Uh, Let's step out of J.D.'s office and uh, get some fresh air out on the uh, steps of the theater building where there are 54 people smoking. (laughs) Nice fresh air. Thanks for having us, J.D. Yes. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. We've got a special guest, uh, Tommy Frizzell, uh, former linebacker for Charlie McClendon's LSU Fighting Tigers. Uh, is going to join us for a special segment of Balls after this break. You're listening to The Bicoastal Hootenanny, starring Nate and Adam.
1: Is it scorching outside? Is your throat parched? Well, if you have a dollar, you can get a snowball from Emily's Snowballs in Bowling Green, Kentucky. We're only 2,070 miles from Hollywood and 865 miles from Brooklyn, New York. We have over 50 flavors and three different types of cream to choose from. We're open seven days a week on the corner of 31W Bypass and Cabell Drive. Hope to see you soon.
0: Here at The Red Stick Podcast, we're more than just a trio of debased guys drinking and swearing into a microphone. We also explore more enlightened topics like science and technology.
3: If they could put the technology of a woman saying, come in my pussy, into intergalactic space travel, we would have colonized the universe (laughs) by now.
0: So join us every week for The Red Stick Podcast on iTunes or at theredstick.com.
2: Drop science like Galileo, drop the orange... Near you. Tommy, can you see me? Can I help to cheer you? Ooh, Tommy, Tommy,
0: Tommy, Tommy. Welcome back to the Tommy Bicoastal Hoot Nanny, starring Nate me. and Adam. Not a bicoastal hoot nanny, the bicoastal hoot nanny. starring Nate and Adam. Uh Adam to Nanny Wilson over here in Brooklyn, New York, along with Nate Frizzell over there in uh, not Hollywood, California, but Athens, Texas, this week, his hometown. Nate, I got a question for you. It's so a basketball, Dave. He's getting married, and I'm supposed to be his best man, right? Okay. Um, so he texts me. He texts me and like three other dudes. He's like, uh, "Hey, uh, Men's Warehouse just called me. You guys are supposed to go get your uh, tuxes fitted, uh, stat. You know, like as soon as possible." And then I said, "Okay, great." Email me all the important information. Okay. Uh Uh-oh. So what I did is I put my phone down, and I counted to three, and the phone rang. A voicemail was left, and I was delivered a text message. Do you know what did not happen? No. What did not happen? I I was not emailed. Like, it was, I, knew, I knew it. <laughs> of course. I was, I was given the message. I, I was contacted three different ways that were not the way, the specific way I requested. Um, <laughs> Dave sent me a screenshot from his phone of the form I'm supposed to fill out. He didn't email wow. me a link to it. I have no idea where to go for this shit. Uh, <laughs> and I hope he is listening to this episode because... He should know that if he does not email me, he can go fuck himself. And I'm not doing. I'm not. I'm not babysitting him. I'm not wiping your ass, buddy. You fucking email me like a big boy, or forget it, because I'm not gonna. I'm supposed. I'm gonna end up spending a thousand dollars on this trip. Uh, so, uh, why don't you fucking email me when I tell you to email me, and don't. I should have told. You know, what I should have told him. I should have told him. Hey, man, I need you to text message me, call me, and leave me a voicemail, and then he would have emailed me. And I don't care if I'm being an and asshole. I want, and I want you to Facebook message me too. Yeah. Oh okay, yeah. That Google
2: too. Google Plus me. Uh-huh. Um,
0: no. and, uh huh. And drop a letter. Hey. Drop a letter in the post office for me too. <laughs> and send me a telegram. Just, just knew it. knew it. As soon as I said email
2: me, I was like, I, I bet I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> do you think that that's a do you think it's a conscious thing, or do you think that he just um, what what do you think happens in his mind? Uh.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I really, I, 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 that that is something I don't get at all. Um, uh, it's like uh, if I'm like it goes a, on in that gargantuan cranium of his. God, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't. I can't explain it. Uh, but you know what? We can explain here on the Bicostal Coastal Hootenanny, starring Nate and Adam. The news. What's that?
2: In our news segment, the Probe starring Nathan Frizzell Welcome to the Probe. I'm Nate Frizzell. We go deep here. (laughs) Shit, I messed that up. I'm going back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm such a retard. God. Okay, take two. Welcome to the Probe, where we go deep. I almost fucked it up again. Fuck me. (laughs) I'm Nathan Frizzell, your resident probester. Peggy Shannon works at the Senior Citizen Service Desk in San Diego City Hall. She alleges she faced, quote, continuous inappropriate sexual advances by the mayor while trying to do her job, end quote. According to the office of her attorney, Gloria Allred, Shannon said the mayor I know, I know Shannon said the mayor kissed her and once asked me if I if I thought he could go eight hours in one night, end quote. Peggy Shannon is also sixty seven and a great grandmother. It just keeps getting better and better with Mayor Bob Filner. Every day that I went to work, I had butterflies in my stomach because I did not know what was going to happen the next time the mayor came by my desk, Shannon told reporters on Thursday. I have three sons, four grandsons, and two great-grandsons. As our mayor, you should be, but are not a role model for any of them, she continued. In related news, city officials say Filner could be in deeper trouble over financial issues that are currently under investigation. More on that as it develops. You stay classy, San Diego. This dude. Who's worse, this dude or Wiener? Uh,
0: Um, Well, let's say... I'd say this dude, because um you know, Wiener didn't hurt anybody. I mean, I guess he his wife, but, you know, he, Wiener, I mean, if if Wiener's just playing with his cell phone, like, that doesn't, like, you know, you know what I mean? So this dude's, yeah, this, so harassment. this dude's, worse. but th- th- that said, first off, I hope this guy gets in trouble. If, if this guy did some kind of, like, money shit that's illegal, I hope he goes to jail for that. Uh, but because Gloria Allred's on this case, I hope he wins that case just because of that. I always <laughs> root against that
2: bitch. She's a bitch. Well, what I don't say is this, this: from the moment all this stuff started with this guy, he's been like, "I need help, I need help," and then he's he went into like therapy for about six hours, and then was like, "I'm cured." Yeah. <laughs> then kept on doing it, and right. he was like, "No, I'm not going to resign. Fuck you guys." Uh, now this is Sandy.
0: Okay, no God, I, I pardon me for my ignorance here. Um, I should say oh. that often. Uh, it is uh, who was the guy? San Diego was where some dude ran in the middle of the street and just started jerking off, right? Oh, I didn't hear anything about that. Uh, it was like a year or two ago. Um, Probably. But oh, you never know, it was like this comic kind of fuck. Was, I think it was like a film director or a comic book artist or something like that. Somebody you would expect to go. Jer- but it wasn't the mayor. I was thinking it was the mayor who went and jerked off. If a mayor goes and jerks off in the middle of the street, like he can't, you, you
2: can't continue being mayor. Oh, there's, okay. there's, unless, unless you're really, really well endowed. <laughs> and then people are just impressed and they're like, oh, we want that guy. Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> oh, unless it well if it's a if it's a black mayor of a white town and the black mayor's really well in doubt, they would just they'd hang him. They you know what I mean like, it's, it's out of jealousy. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> oh there was, you know, like it's it's so funny how um how um uh ironic some people's racism can be. And I'll I'll tell you what like there there are stories from like um um the uh, so some some Italian people in, in here in brooklyn will tell tell you um stories about how like uh like the, the, somebody they knew like a girl they knew um when it was found out that uh uh like she was she was raped by a black guy those guys went and roughed up they found out they found that dude and they went and beat the shit out of him um but then when they found out it wasn't rape
2: that she was she she you know she was into it <laughs> then they killed him. Uh, yeah, I, I remember that story. It was called To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, God. Did I just tell a Kill a God, Jesus. <laughs> I am so hungover. Yeah. Hey, I heard this story that was written in 1958. Uh... <laughs> Shut the fuck up, man.
0: I'm sorry. God. I, I get my mob stories and my Harper Lee novels,
2: like, mixed up. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <sighs> oh god bless you adam wilson Damn that's it. uh that might be my favorite probe moment ever <laughs> shit yeah i got a uh, I got a probe moment
0: for you anyway um what would that be i'm just about my my dick
2: uh oh, no thanks okay uh what else what else is in the news conspiracy theorists of the world congratulations Area 51 has long been a topic of fascination for conspiracy theorists and paranormal enthusiasts, but newly released CIA documents officially acknowledge the site and suggest that the area served a far less remarkable purpose than many had supposed. According to these reports, which include a map of the base's location in Nevada, Area 51 was merely a testing site for the government's U-2 and Oxcart aerial surveillance programs. The U-2 program conducted surveillance around the world, including over the Soviet Union during the Cold War. Area 51 is about 125 miles northwest of Las Vegas. The map and other documents were released in response to a Freedom of Information Act request submitted by Jeffrey T. Rickelson, a senior fellow at the National Security Archives in 2005. (laughs) So it took eight years, but got released. And then they're like, oh, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. We just had some planes there. Isn't that exactly what they're going to say? Do you really think that they're ever going to come out and be like, hey, you're right. We got aliens here. We yeah. did autopsy here. No, they're never going to admit that.
0: We've got aliens here that look oddly like human beings, although there's no way that a galaxy far away would have the same evolutionary pattern like this, that they would actually right. uh, develop into things that look like humans, and that they blink as slowly as they blink because eyelids cannot lubricate your eyes like that. It's impossible.
2: Right, right, Uh, and would they ever really, truly admit that they filmed part of Independence Day there? No, that was bad. I'm sorry, crickets. Now we both had cricket moments. All right, yeah, Uh, God, I'm I'm sorry. Well, I'm I'm not gonna judge
0: you today because uh, that uh, that to kill I'm shaking up over that To Kill a Mockingbird shit from five minutes ago. (laughs) I'm so messed up right now. Like I'm 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 so off. Like I can't. I've uh, the Fonz has lost his. uh, is cool, like I can't hit, I can't hit the jukebox and then play Bill Haley in the Comets like that anymore, you know.
2: Uh, well, if it makes you feel any better, you gave me a good chuckle.
0: I've, I've only, you know, I've only read like eight novels in my life. I can't. <laughs> and that's one of them. I have read the, I have read the complete works of Shakespeare, though. So, uh, abridged. No, no. The, I said the complete works. I know it was a joke. Oh, yeah.
2: it, was, it wasn't a very funny one, but you know. Man, we are uh, batting a 1,000. Uh, good guys. We are. This is, this, this is the bad joke segment of uh, <laughs> the Bicostal Hootenanny starring Nathan Adam. But that's it for the probe. And that was the probe starring
0: Nathan Brazil. Uh, if you're just joining us, no, you're not listening to the Red Stick Podcast, though it would sound like it with all these crickets. No, you're listening to the Bicostal Hootenanny starring Nathan <laughs> uh, and Adam. Oh, and a dig by Adam Wilson. I'm uh, uh speaking. Of, uh, no no shit though. The the episode this week was really funny. David Vitrano from the Family Dinner was on and he killed it. Um, he was on with Sunny Weathers and they had a great episode. You should uh, check them out at theredstick.com dot com. And subscribe to them on iTunes as you should uh, with us.
2: Adam Wilson, let's uh, uh let's take everybody in everybody's favorite segment. Show us your balls.
0: Uh, I shall. Uh, help. Hello, hello, all of Texas. Look at my balls. Welcome to Balls. I'm America's Balls caster, Adam Nanny wilson i uh, got a special guest in the studio uh, with us today. Not in my studio, but in Nate's studio there in Athens, Texas. Uh, he was a linebacker who lettered in 1978 and 1979 for Charlie McClendon's Fighting Tigers from LSU. He, perhaps his greatest moment ever, was sealing the win versus Indiana on September 9th, 1979, which probably killed Lee Corso's career. He is Tommy Frizzell. Mr. Tommy, how you doing?
3: i'm doing fine uh that interception lee corso um he probably remembers it today and i got in a lot of trouble uh after that Uh uh-oh after Uh i intercepted the ball i kind of ran and shook it in their face on the sideline just because when i had gotten tackled and i came up and he was yelling at me so i just kind of put it in his face and uh Got in a lot of trouble from Coach Mack after
0: that. Oh man! (laughs) Did did you? What what, what was your punishment? Did you get? Did you have to run some drills or do some push-ups or something?
3: Uh, No punishment, just uh, a good scolding.
0: In in front of all the players, or (laughs)
3: yeah, when I got back to the sideline. (laughs) Oh, nice. Which
2: is probably why Lee Corso still to this day picks whoever LSU's opponent is, (laughs) even if it's like northern midwestern state. Uh, Well
0: uh in 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 coach corso's defense uh i've worn that uh lsu mike the tiger mascot head and it is uncomfortable i would much uh, in, ter- in terms of just like head comfort alone i would much rather uh wear al e gators head or uh whatever the uh, big al is that the is that the the, the elephant for yeah there we go i'd r- much rather wear uh wear that um <clears throat> also i've got nothing on top i've got no hair to protect myself from the the ins and outs of, look, we could talk about. Yes, okay, I, I see. I see. I, see I'm, I, I would rub that head for good luck too, Mr. Frizzell. Um Now, uh, now, Mr. Mr. F, what was your playing weight in
3: 1979? Six one two eighteen. I was still kind of small those days.
0: Yeah, no, and what? Ray Lewis was playing at about two seventy five last year. Um, what's funny about that? The reason why I asked is because you know back in the um, Back in the 70s when you played, uh, players were, by and large, much uh, smaller than they are today. Uh, but it's interesting. One thing about LSU's defense uh, now, they've uh, they've been to fat camp. I don't know if you guys did. They went to fat camp to lose weight to become a quicker defense. The lead linebacker, Lamine Barrow, weighs 239 this year, which I can't
3: believe. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. I'd never heard of fat camp. <laughs> <laughs> I can go that now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I mean, What's
0: the biggest difference in in terms of like uh, the college football experience? Would you expect? What would you expect a big difference to be if you played today rather than in the seventies?
3: Uh, well, the the games change a lot. Like uh, you were mentioning, linebackers, which is what I played. They don't seem to have as big a role in the defense today like they did back then. Uh, as far as uh, like the playing experience, actually being there and not all of the activities involved with that is it yeah Yeah. um it's definitely a different game different world you know seemed like every year lsu starts off and gets somebody suspended or kicked off the team and um right for uh things that back in our day were pretty much expected (laughs) 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 Player. <laughs> well well the uh I
0: think I think the folks over at Pastime knew how to keep their mouths shut. I think that's basically what the deal like was back then. <laughs>
3: exactly. I
2: covered for us good. So but the funny thing about that though is that and I can speak to a limited amount of experience at this, Coach Mac didn't Coach Mac didn't take any shit. Yeah. You know, he he did not put up but that being said, you didn't get uh in trouble just for being a of athlete, just being a football player who gets a little rowdy on the weekends, you know. Yeah, well,
1: it was, uh, it was, it was legal. Mike,
0: it was legal for you to drink, also. So there was that was. we not going to get in trouble for having was, a beer.
3: It was expected, I mean. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, Coach Mack was. Uh, he could be pretty tough when he wanted to be, mm-hmm. but he was fair, you know, and he did what he had to do to keep his players on the team. Um. What what do you remember anything? And I'm going to ask
0: you about a specific game that maybe I I hope you remember this in uh, on September 22nd 1979. You guys played Rice and you won 47 to three. Do you remember anything from that game?
3: Um, I remember just thinking about now two plays. Um, one, I uh, I intercepted a pass in that game. The mm-hmm. second one was I went in on a blitz and the fullback. Uh, met me right up the middle and kind of knocked me out for a second Uh so i don't remember much after that um
0: well i would like to personally thank you for your performance in that game that night because that was the night i was conceived Ah. (laughs) after my mother and father attended that game and i'm sure your performance probably inspired my father's performance
3: All right. Well, you did a good job.
2: Uh, all right. Um, frizzles to you, Adam Wilson. You're welcome. Yes. Good
0: <laughs> That's right. An- another thing. Uh, another. Well, another intriguing game was the next week. Do you remember the? Do you remember the next week's game after that Rice game?
3: That would be Southern Cal, I believe.
0: Yep, Southern Cal. And that yeah. was probably a heartbreaking loss for you guys. I, I, that, I suspect that
3: was that was probably the toughest uh, loss. You know, definitely in my career, uh, a lot of Tiger fans, I'm sure, oh, well, I know, remember to this day, it yeah. was, uh, that was just phenomenal. The, the fan support, even after the game, everybody stayed and just, uh, we should have won that game, but. It's
0: how it goes, um, Hootneers If you're if you're uh, unsure of uh, of um of what I'm talking about, now I was there too as a six and a half day old embryo. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> uh uh Southern Cal was ranked number one. I believe their coach was uh, John Robinson, who ended up coaching for the Rams and then going back to USC. He was a very successful coach. They were number one in the country, heavily favored, and uh, it was a defensive struggle most of the night. It was twelve to ten late in the game, and I believe I can't remember the quarterback's name, but he was. He was about to be sacked, and uh, I think he threw an intentional grounding. First of all, I think he just threw the ball backwards, and it, it went out of bounds or something. It should have been a either a loss on the play or an intentional grounding. They called a, like kind of a phantom face mask on. Um, it wasn't you, but it was one of your. Uh, it was one of your. Uh, ben, it, Benji Thibodeau. That's right. Um, uh, yeah. And, it was a it was a shitty call, and it, it, if anything, if it, you know, at worst, it should have been offsetting penalties because it was a it was a terrible intentional grounding uh, infraction. Um, and if they wanted to call a face well, mask, fine. But
3: yeah, well, on that play, and Coach Mack talked about it till the day he died. Mm-hmm. Was uh, they had jumped off sides on that play, and they didn't. The ref didn't call that, but they called the uh, oh wow Is face mask. Yeah. Oh, and, so that, uh, that
0: play shouldn't have even that it should have been blown dead right. before any of that happened.
3: Yeah. And that would have pretty much sealed they went on down to score after that and uh went ahead of us. But uh yeah, Steve Ensminger was the quarterback. Um who he was my roommate at the time and um we had a couple of attempts there to score at the end, just couldn't yeah. do it, but um, it was
0: about I think about like two or three plays after that uh, that face mask call, uh, Southern Cal took the went in for the go ahead touchdown, and won seventeen to twelve, and that was I mean I, I, in John Ed Bradley's book he he mentions that it, for, for the rest of his life anytime he ever saw Charlie McClendon the first thing he said was like eh, we should have won that goddamn game yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first, first, first thing he said when he walked in the room, um like on his deathbed too just uh, yeah first thing he oh, said
3: yeah he, I'm sure that ate at him because you know, we were, we weren't even ranked. Mm -hmm. Uh, We might've gotten into the top 20 or 25 at the time, but, you know, we were all small guys like me. Even our defensive line wasn't much bigger than some of them, but, um, and it was just uh, those guys. They had uh, the offensive line. Nearly every one of them went to the pro average nearly 300 pounds. And Charles White was, he won the Heisman Trophy that year, and they had uh, Marcus Allen. Uh, oh yeah, mosses Then we ended up playing Alabama later that year. They were uh-huh. number one. Yep. Uh, when we got to them, they beat us three to nothing. Three in to Baton nothing, Rouge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a tough one. But we weren't really, we weren't threatening to even score in that game. <laughs> they, I don't think our Deep, our offense got past the midfield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sounds like I, our national team. against Alabama.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, but, uh, no, but no, I have heard that. Um, uh, well, I mean, again, I was there as a as a two month old fetus at the time. Um, so uh, <laughs> that, yeah, I'm I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the schedule at 1979 schedule, and there's a lot of really look like really really close losses where uh, where the defense played very well and. Just just came up very short. That was a seven and five season that ended at a Tangerine Bowl victory uh, over Wake Forest, the last game of uh, Charlie McClendon's career and uh, the last game before I was born. In fact, um, uh, question that you played. I mean, you played the final games of Charlie McClendon. Um, was there was there a general? What was the, what was the feel like around LSU and, and specifically in the team? Um, because you must have known that there was um, there was trouble Bruin and that he was kind of. There was a threat that he might have been fired. There was a threat that he might have been just kind of, like, forced to resign, quote, unquote.
3: Uh, What what was that like at at the time? Was it unpleasant? No. uh, Actually, the whole five years I was there, they had uh, helped MacPack people. They were wanting to get rid of him. You know, a lot of the alumni just because they'd been there so long and never— you know, I never could beat Bear Bryant, which nobody else could either. Right. <laughs> and um, so we kind of lived with that the whole time. Uh, our last year, I don't remember when we found out, but of course we were seniors and we were going too, you know. We, right. Um, so it didn't really affect us that much, some of uh, the underclassmen then. But, um, you know, he was, um, he was a, uh, he was there 17 years. That's pretty long time. And uh, I don't know. He, I mean, it's unfortunate that Bear Bryant was there at the same time. And
0: And it was his mentor um, as well. Like like, his coach.
3: One thing, uh, I guess we, our class always proudest of coach Max said that um, our team gave more and had less than any of his other teams that, you know, what our size and talent that we had you know so I always thought that was a good tribute
0: uh well yeah but, uh, he's right I think uh well you, you were in the game I mean you won't you had uh you had USC number one on the ropes you had um I mean at least the defense had Alabama on the ropes and they were number one at the time um you uh uh you beat beat the the dog crap out of Mississippi state. And that was, they were good in the seventies. They were good because they had cheated in the seventies, but, um, so yeah. they did, yeah, they, they forfeited. Fun. There were a couple of games where they beat LSU, but those are now recorded as uh LSU wins because of forfeits. Um, but.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Them at, uh Ole Miss, Ole Miss always played us a close game. I, I don't remember if it was my junior or senior year, uh, they had us down 21 to nothing in half. We would always come back. We came back and beat them. Mm. But uh, that was how we played them back then. But um, yeah, Mississippi State, that was Emery Ballard was, uh, came there my senior year and actually had hired my high school coach at the same time. So I got to play my last uh, a game against them against my high school coach. <laughs> and oh, no. nice. Wow.
2: Um, uh, question about the USC game is that was that the the loudest game? That, you know the I don't know if it still stands, but wasn't there one game well, against USC
3: that was the loudest I'd game say, in history? I don't know what. Um, there was a couple of years after that the Auburn game where they had the seismograph mm. recording. in
0: Nineteen eighty.
3: But I know in that that was the loudest game I'd ever played in. It was so loud. Everybody just, I mean, the whole game was so loud that when I called their defense in the huddle, I couldn't even hear my voice. I don't know how the other players heard it. I couldn't even hear what I was saying. It was so loud in your ears. Well, th- all I know is that, thank God that uh, USC
2: fans are so fair weather that they don't even know that that game existed. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have to sit there and listen to that all the time. I, all, all my USC friends in uh, – southern california they wouldn't even know that lsu never played usc so right. thanks usc fans
0: <laughs> and you know it's right uh and i think there were you know it's funny that was a, a weird home and home because i think the return game was in 82 or 83 when jerry stovall took lsu over there i think we, we actually won that game um uh right uh, and uh jerry jerry stovall was kind of like the recruiting coordinator in in your last days wasn't he he was he worked with the program now- right?
3: He was, uh, yeah, he had been there a long time. He was a running back coach uh, oh, that's my right. whole time. Um, and then Bo Ryan got hired and, of course, had the plane crash. So right. that's when uh, Coach Stoball took over.
0: Yeah, kind of an emergency right. hire, and he did well. Uh, at first he, was, he ended up being um, national coach of the year in 1982, uh, right before an Orange Bowl lost to Nebraska. Seems like we lost about eight bowl games against Nebraska in the 80s, by the way. But um,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah hey. When I was a red shirt, I think uh, we actually beat them three to nothing, or by three points, I guess. Um, nice. Or no, no, no. I'm sorry, that tied. I, you know. I played back in the days when you actually tackled with your helmet, and you had some, <laughs> I'm having a great <laughs> There should be a, some facts here. <laughs>
0: uh, this was, you know, it, it's it's funny that you play you played in an era era that I think will go down in football history as uh, as very significant because you were the first generation that probably never played the platoon system like you went like every year you played um you know there were there were offensive specialists defensive specialists and then special teams guys um i think your whole life you probably i think 1964 the platoon system was um um done away with by the NCAA so yeah, that was when you were a little kid so uh and and not coincidentally you played in the era where uh, i think college football became um really, really big outside Big Ten country for the first time. Uh which yeah it is, is
3: interesting. Uh growing up here in Texas, um back then we, and this was in the you know well, I was in high school during the early seventies and I went to LSU in seventy five but uh that was right before uh the Southwest conference um changed that they, they did away with southwest conference so right i grew up here in texas it was all southwest conference texas mm-hmm. and oklahoma and arkansas were the only uh, teams that we i grew up with when i w- got recruited by lsu i didn't i really didn't know who lsu was. It was yeah i mean i knew all of them i didn't i thought i didn't know they were new orleans or baton Rouge or <laughs> really much about them but i went down for my recruiting trip and got big surprise it was a lot of fun well I'm I sure I'm glad he went to LSU
0: yeah me too I best I'd say the best recruit we got as of your signing with LSU best recruit we got out of Texas since YA Tittle <laughs> Thank
2: you. yeah I I, I, uh, I think we can Adam both you and I can safely say that we owe our existence to Tommy Frizzell's football career at
3: LSU.
0: That's correct. Wow. I, I, owe, I, owe, I I I I owe charge
3: more for this. Uh,
0: yeah, no shit. Yeah, I I and I owe you another uh, debt of gratitude because on January fourth, two thousand. Four. That's right. Yeah, January fourth, two thousand four. Um, you decided on a whim. Nah, I don't feel like going to the Sugar Bowl uh, to see uh, LSU against Oklahoma in the uh, national championship <laughs> game. Here, Nate, give it to one of your stupid little friends. And uh, I was that stupid little friend, and I got to go because you gave me your ticket. So thank you, sir. Uh, if you ever need your yeah, shoe no shine, problem. you ever need your yard mowed, you ever need your hair cut, you ever need your beard trimmed, you ever need your clothes wow. washed, you ever need your dishes washed, um, uh, I'll, I'll hold you to that. Great. <laughs> Uh well uh Mr. Russell thank you for thank you for joining us. Uh this is my first uh interview with uh with um I think this is the most I've ever even talked to you really. So I'm, I'm actually yeah. really happy of I've, uh I I've, I've always been fascinated by um by uh, Coach Mack and I've always been an admirer of his uh and he's still he's still 52 games ahead of Les Miles in terms of the uh, LSU all-time uh wins uh, list. So he might hold on to that forever. So
3: yeah thanks so.
0: this day and age it
2: seems like coaches don't stick around for as long. You know, they always get offers from some other school for more money or the NFL or something like that. So yeah, who knows where that's gonna end up with Les Miles. I hope for our sake, I hope Les Miles stays and keeps winning. Right. You know, but uh I yep. love that Coach Mac has the record right now.
0: Yep, I do too. Um Mr. Tommy, thanks for joining us. Uh that was great. Funny thing about um you know uh, the the way uh, LSU dealt with Charlie McClendon at the end of his career, um, it uh, it's it's the ultimate "be careful what you wish for" type of thing because uh, there were a lot of LSU fans back in the late '70s who uh, couldn't wait to get rid of him. They thought he was over the hill. He would never he he was never going to be what they thought they deserved as a fan base. And uh, look what they got. And I won't I won't include the the tragic thing about Bo Ryan in there, but let's let's just talk about the coaches who took the field for LSU after that. Yeah, Jerry Stovall, who did his best, but he, he Sorry, did, who Stovall? Uh, excuse me. Jerry Stovall. Out of West Monroe, by the way. Um uh, didn't quite cut it. I think he lost three out of four to Tulane, in fact, and ended up being a dud. Ugh. His replacement was Bill Arnsbarger, who was a great coach, but he was a great NFL coordinator, and he, he just sh- shipped right out to the pros as soon as he got a job with the San Diego Chargers. Uh, after that, his offensive coordinator, Mike Archer, who did pretty well for two years, but then when he recruited his own players, was a complete dud. His replacement, Curly Hallman, who built his career on the fact that he coached Brett Favre, uh, and Ugh. he sucked. He was a shitty coach. Uh, his replacement, uh, Jerry DiNardo, who was really good for two, three years, but then turned out to be a dud. It wasn't until we hired Nick Saban uh, that 24 years after we we got rid of uh, Charlie McClendon, that we got a coach that was actually good, and then he left off to the pros. His replacement, Les Miles, has been very successful. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, just be careful what you ask for. Look how Tennessee, Tennessee got rid of Phil Fulmer, and what's Tennessee done since? Nothing that Phil Fulmer couldn't have done, right? You know, that's you, you, right. you know, right. ca- careful what you
2: wish for uh, when you do that. That's interesting to me. That always, um... yeah. There's, a, I mean, like as I say, I understand the concept of uh, of you know being really passionate about your team, and when they start not living up to expectations, you 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 want to change and you want it quickly. Um, but that's not always the best course of action, you know. Thank God that we ended up getting Nick Saban because that turned our fortune right around. Well, I'll tell you something. You say passion you know, you get
0: being passionate about your team. Uh people who are passionate about their team often aren't often don't get what that means because there was nobody as passionate about their team as Charlie McClendon. And when you get rid of that, you you run the risk of uh having a bit of a curse and having a shitty decade and a half of uh really underwhelming football, which is what L S U ended up having after
2: after uh the McClendon days were over. Um that's right. Yeah. That's right. And you know, the uh, Coach Mack, and I can attest to this because I, I was, that's when I first started knowing Coach Mack was right before he, right before he died. Till the till the day he died, he was the most loyal Tiger fan. Yep. He never said a bad thing about LSU. He never disparaged the Tigers at all or the fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's loyalty. And uh, you gotta be careful you don't replace passion with loyalty or vice right. versa
0: right, um, and uh, well, you know, moving
2: on, uh, you remember that
0: uh remember that to kill a mockingbird shit that uh from earlier the uh uh, I'm gonna blame last night uh, on that uh last night, I went bowling, and uh when I bowl, I guzzle uh uh beer, not cock, but uh <laughs> man oh, shit. Well, I tried to beat my record of CCVIII, which is in uh, Arabic numerals, 208. Uh, I came close, I bowled a 184 after about three pitchers of beer. Ah, man, I feel like shit today, by the way. Uh, My left ass cheek. When I bowl too much, my left ass cheek really hurts. It's just part of the, I I don't know, it's it's part of the, the, the fluid motion of bowling. How do you... I don't know, Nate, but my left ass cheek always hurts after
2: I bowl the next day. I don't know. You're you're a right. You're right. Correct.
0: Yeah. But your, yeah, that but means that means your plant, your plant foot is your left foot. So when a bowl, you know, you you plant with your opposite foot, yeah. you know, and so that's the one I'm basically yeah, you, doing yeah. like a lunge, you know, like a lunge every time. And it's just stretching out that left glute. Is that what glutes are? Is that your ass?
2: Yeah, that means that today your uh, your left butt cheek is perp- per- uh, disproportionately tighter than your right one. So uh yeah. tell uh, your old Russian girlfriend give you a little slap there. I'm just trying to give her some tips. Mhm. Hello. Hello. It's really good. Is that another cricket? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh shit. <laughs> uh, all right, it's, let's uh, it, uh, no. I'm not used to I'm not used to broadcasting in the central time zone. So forgive oh, me yeah. for today. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm not
0: well, I I think I'm I'm broadcast I don't know what time zone I'm in today cuz I feel like shit. Um. Anyway, well, uh, let's let's get out of here. That was my balls. Ugh.
2: Good ball. Oh, <laughs> you okay? <laughs> no. Well, uh, Adam, you got anything uh, fancy fun no. going on this week? Not
0: at all. No, nothing.
2: Oh wait, no, I, t- I
0: take that back. No. I'm going to. I'm going to. A, I'm sorry. I'm going to a, a drive-in movie tonight. Oh wow! Where are you going to do that? Warwick, New York. Just go. Uh, there's 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 drive-ins in America, and sometimes I go to one or two. It's not going to be all like, uh, you know, it's not going to be, uh, you know, like like when you go to the drive-in. You know what I mean? It's not going to be like that because I'm going to have like four kids with me. So,
2: uh, Well, uh, but no, that's stop. awesome. You know, get I've never you, get your mind
0: drive-in. out of the gut. Get your mind out of the gutter, Sunny Weathers. I know you're listening, and I know what you're thinking. Now stop it. Get your mind out of the gutter, you pervert,
2: sick bastard. Um. Uh, I've never been to a drive-in movie. Did you know this? No. Well, I'd never been until I was like does 30. That... Oh, okay. Well, then that's good. And that, I was going to say, does that make me un-American? But I guess it doesn't. It
0: just means you weren't born in the 50s, I guess, you know, like it just <laughs> you know,
2: it's not the most common my, thing anymore. My 14-year-old brother's been to a drive-in movie, and I have not. So, hmm. you know. They're pretty, that's they're, made pretty me a bad... they're pretty fun.
0: I saw a, I saw Magic Mike at a drive-in.
2: Oh, well, that just makes you gay.
0: Yeah, it does. I'm very, very gay. <laughs> yep. I'm a homosexual man who likes men sexually. Sure, that's what I am. <laughs> because I saw Magic Mike. And, and funny, uh, Hey, and I, that movie I, was, that was a good movie.
2: They, they had, that movie had some great tits in it. And Matthew McConaughey's funny. Fuck y'all. I don't care. You know, I, I did actually enjoy Matthew McConaughey in that movie. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, he's he's taken take a turn in his career where he's still a good actor, but he also has shown himself to be really strange in an offbeat, like a Woody Harrelson type of way. Like and I, I like know. that. About-
0: is he a good actor or is he a good Matthew McConaughey? Because seriously every part he's ever played is like, Hey, how's it going? Hey, what do you want to do now? You know are like, oh, uh, you know, take on you want to take my shirt off for you? and uh you can see all my muscles and stuff like that. I'm without this guitar, man. I'll just drink a beer right in front of you and just play with my wiener so you can just diddle your little bean right there right in front of me, little girl. Let's go. You can call me daddy, you can do anything you want, girl. Oh yeah. Mm. You know,
2: that's <laughs> Isn't that every character he's ever it it sounds exactly like your are Bill Clinton. What? No, it doesn't.
0: My Bill Clinton. Oh yeah, it does. I, it's I like okay, you, yeah, you're right. You're I just, I, well, I don't I don't really Yeah, it is. God damn it. It's just like my by Bill Clinton is just like an older Matthew McConaughey. It's just like an older like Matthew McConaughey after he went to a concert last night and he yelled a bunch, so he's like He's a bit raspy <laughs> voice, a little bit. But I am putting a little more Arkansas and less Texas in this one. This is my Bill Clinton. I mean, I mean everybody. Like, everybody. Bill Clinton's one of those, like, everybody does a Bill Clinton. You know what I mean? Everybody can kind of do yeah. Bill Clinton. Everybody can kind of do Ronald Reagan. Everybody can kind of <laughs> do Kennedy. Everybody can kind of do Butthead. You know, everybody's got, you know, like, everybody can kind of do Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know?
1: <laughs> and they, they can talk yeah. like this. It's so yeah.
0: tough. On, you know, like, everybody's got an 80% of that impression in them. But yeah. yeah, but no, other than that, no, well, what do you got going on? What do you, when are you going back? I mean, this is, we're recording on a Friday, publishing
2: on a Monday. When are you going back uh, to Los Angeles? Well, by the time the Hooteniers hear this, I will be back in Los Angeles. I get back on Friday. Well, I'm sorry, on Monday uh, afternoon. Okay. Um, and uh, what do I have going on? Um, I really don't think I've got anything yet. I know that sounds really exciting, but. Yeah, well,
0: what's, what's the occasion? <laughs> Why are you in Texas right now? What's the, what's going on over there? We should have covered oh, this. As, nothing, we should have covered you know, this at the beginning I, of the show,
2: but <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. No, I've just uh, I'm just here just to enjoy myself. You know, sometimes Adam, let me uh let me share something with you. Sometimes you gotta get out of Los Angeles. And uh it's been a while since I've been to Texas to visit my family. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm meeting one of my new baby cousins for the first time. And uh so there's just so uh, plenty of reasons to come back home and just spend some time with everybody. Oh, and so cool. uh Yeah. It's nice. It's a good uh, three, four day visit just to unwind, kick, kick up my boots and, uh, and relax. And that's oh. what I'm here to do. Well, go ahead. And, uh, while you're sitting there loving this, uh, this broadcast, uh, download us on iTunes or on Stitcher. Follow me on the Twitter at, at Nathan Frizzell, two Z's, two L's. Follow my awesome co-host, Adam Tootnanny Wilson, at Tootnanny, spelled just the way it sounds, uh, and, uh, yes, yeah, st- stay tuned next week for more by coast awesomeness. Uh, email us. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or any other issue you'd like to raise at Nate and Adam at the red stick.com or give us a call at Adam, take it away. Two,
0: two, five, two, four, four, nine, four, six, nine. You don't know our phone number.
2: I, I i just don't want to give him the wrong one i feel like i'm gonna mess a digit up and i don't have the document open anymore mm-hmm.
0: uh
2: but uh
0: well i think that's i think it's time to go don't you adam wilson yes please let's go i need to take a nap and take a shit and drink some more beer to kill this hangover
2: all right uh well for adam wilson in brooklyn new york and tommy frizell in athens texas i am nate frizell also in athens texas this has been the Bicostal Hootenanny starring Nate and Adam to all our to all of our friends... <laughs> to all of our friends back home and to everyone in between we say. Sweet toi. Toi.
1: Email us your questions, comments, corrections, and copies of To Kill a Mockingbird Cliff Notes to Nate and Adam at TheRedStick.com Or Call us at 225-244-9469. This has been the bi Hoot Nanny, starring Nate and Adam. Next week, sunny weathers. Visit us at theredstick.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow the show on Twitter at bi Hoot. This has been a production of the Red Stick.
0: Zeichen